Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, good morning. It's a new year. It's a new, you know, regardless of how old that song, it's a new season is. Every time we sing it, it's new. <laughs> it's just new. And traditionally, New Year is really the time of year that what we, 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 we set new goals, new resolutions, new, we, we begin new hobbies, new passion. It's the time of year where we say, I want to lose weight this year. But the truth is, there's nothing wrong of being a well-rounded individual. <laughs> right? This is the time of year where we say, I want, I, I want to live healthier this year. I'm going to try to live healthier. And for those of you who had broken your resolution, it's okay. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? But, but it is. It is that time of year where we set new, uh, new goals. And for a Christian, one of the, I, I believe one of the things that we always set every year is, I want to read my Bible more this year. Isn't it not? I want to start attending life group this year. I want to be able to come to church more regularly, regardless of my job. You know, things like that. And I think top of the top of the line, or the top of the line, the top thing that we always want for New Year, being believers, is I want to know God more. Would you agree? And those are all good things. I agree. I also do the same thing every year. Every year comes. I look back on, tw- on the previous year, and I look again and say, yes, Lord. Like, uh, like what Miss Terry said earlier, forget the former things, whether it's good or it's bad. God is going to do a new and better things. Amen? So if that's you, and I hope that's one of the goals that you have set this year, to be able to read the Bible more and to know God more. Because really, those two are one of the same. To read the Bible more and to know God more is really one of the same. Amen? And if, you, if that's you today, then we're in a good place right now because our word for today is about devotion to the Word of God. Amen? And, we're, and I hope I would, uh, I would do justice just even to present this to you. And it would encourage you to really get into the Word. Because it's, uh, to be honest, having a habit of reading the Word does not come easy for some of us. Sometimes it takes a spark. Sometimes it really takes some, some pain and suffering <laughs> to do this. Most of us, when we start reading the Word, what happens? We fall asleep. So turn off your TV and read your Word. You'll fall asleep faster than your TV. Amen? When you're, when you're on the flight and you can't fall asleep, read your Bible. It'll make you fall asleep faster. If that's the case, use it, against the, use, it against, use it for your own good. Amen? So devotion to the Word. So as I said, if you've set your goal this year to read the Bible more and to know God more, they really, they really are one of the same. And this is what I mean. In John 1.1, this is what it says. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. And we say the Word, what we're talking about. This is the Word. Your Bible. Just like that, how that uh, bumper video showed it. It's the Word. Regardless if you have a digital copy now, uh, put up your Word or your Bible. I see some Samsung, I see some Apple, and some other brand that I do not know. And most of, mostly, it's still the old-fashioned what? Bi- uh, Bible. I, I read the New King James Version. I just find it uh, uh, interesting to read it. So this is the Word. When we speak of the Word, for the, at least for this for this Sunday, we're talking about this, the written form. Okay? So why do I mean by they're one of the same? Well, it says here in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the written Word. And the Word was with God, 
and the word was God. So the word was God. And then jump to 14, it says, and the word became flesh. So who's that word in the flesh? Jesus. This is like Sunday school. As long as you say Jesus, you're not going to make a mistake. So who is this word in the flesh? Jesus. There you go. So the word in the flesh is Jesus. So if we return that around, Jesus is the written form right here. That's basically it. If Jesus was the word in the flesh, then the Bible is really Jesus in the written form. So when we say we want to know more of the word, we're really saying we want to know more of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself in Luke chapter 14, this is a, this is a, an, an, uh, it happened when after he was resurrected, two of, his disciples, two of the disciples were walking back to Emmaus and he came alongside them and they were talking about him. They were talking about Jesus, and he comes, uh, uh, he comes along with them, walks seven miles with them, and said, and what he did was, he blinded or he restrained their eyes from seeing him in the flesh. Most of us believers, we have this wish that, oh, if only, oh, I wish that I can go back to the times of Jesus, that we can, uh, that we can see him in the flesh. We, uh, the prayer group is planning a, a trip to Israel in 2020. I'm sorry if I, I bl- blurted it out. But anyway, but we're joking around that, you know, we got to save up, but we can give you the Jesus experience. You can walk all over Israel. You can sleep in the manger. Okay. You can, uh, you can, uh, what else? You can eat whatever Jesus is. You can have the Jesus experience if you want to. But I believe most of us in the excitement of just really seeing Jesus, we have that wish that only if we can see Jesus in the flesh in the time that he was alive. But yet, here is a situation in, in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus himself restrained the eyes of two disciples from seeing him in the, seeing him in the flesh. But instead, what did he do? It says there that beginning from the book, of Moses, which is the law, and then to the prophet, it says he expounded, meaning he they did a Bible study right in the road to Emmaus, beginning from the very book of your Bible in Genesis all the way to the prophets. If he had time, he would have gone to the writings, which is the Psalms and the historical book, but they only ended up to the uh, to Psalms or to uh, the prophets. See, why would Jesus do that? He was already in the flesh. He was right there, but yet he restrained the eyes of the two disciples, and instead he showed himself on this, on the written book. Do you imagine that? Think about it. He was already in the flesh, yet he restrained his disciples from seeing in the flesh. And yet here we are, who we have this, and, we're, and we wish we can see him in the flesh. I think that's, that passage really tells us that, or it really shows us that Jesus was giving us the same opportunity in this, this generation, the generation after that, that just the same way that I have restrained the eyes of my two disciples from seeing me in the flesh, I am giving you the same opportunity to see me here. That, I believe, is what he was doing. He showed himself in the written form. He withheld their eyes from seeing him in the flesh, but they showed himself in the written form. So you and I, church, would also have the same opportunity to see Jesus in the written form. Amen? Isn't that an encouraging word? I mean, I'm encouraged every time I come across that because though Paul, or I mean, though the 12 disciples were able to see him in the flesh, 
Jesus still is able to be seen in the Bible. Amen? So that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at devotion to the word. How it looks like. So it's one of the same. When we say, I want to read the Bible more, you're really saying, I want to know Jesus more. And that's a good thing. All right? So devotion. Devotion, uh, if we were to define devotion, devotion has uh, really, it's a meaning of love, loyalty. It's to love something, to be loyal to something, to be consecrated, meaning to make a conscious decision to do something and to be consecrated, to be separated, to just be doing that. And many people or people devote themselves to many things. You can devote yourself to a hobby, to, uh, to the gym, to running, to eating, okay? You can devote yourself to that. You can consecrate yourself and do one particular uh, uh, what do you call this? One particular activity or purpose. That's, uh, that's e- and, and our tendency is we devote ourselves to everything else but to the word. <laughs> and that's a sad thing, okay? But it's okay. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a new year. It's a new season. If you failed 2017, forget about it, all right? So in order for me to... Uh, to, to explain better what it looks like to be devoted in the Word, I have a short video for you. Go ahead. My name is Jeff, otherwise known as Mr. Seahawk. I am Mrs. Seahawk, also known as Dee Dee, and we live in Auburn, Washington. Seahawks. We've loved the Seahawks since they were back in 76 when they were established, and uh, they're a great team. We've had a lot of down years, but I'll tell you, these up years are fantastic. There is no way to count <laughs> the number of games we've gone to. I mean, we don't miss games. Yeah. Every now and then we'd go to some away games, but no, we don't miss home games. I got to go to a couple games, you know, in the early 80s and everything, and I was like, Look at those people that are dressed up. This is really cool. I gotta show more support. One day, I you know I had my outfit on, not like this, but Mama Blue came up to me and said, "You're going to be the next me." And something snapped in my head, and I went, "Okay, I can do this. I've got to be the most severe I can be. I'm gonna show this team that I can support them." She started this whole thing, and and I was like, "Oh." I need to get involved in this too. Because <laughs> he was starting like to get fun. jealous. It was like I was. we're true fans because we just severely love the Seahawks. In that's that's how we roll. I mean, everything in our life revolves around the Seahawks. Mm. I'm so sorry if you're not a fan of the Seahawks. But regardless of what football team you're, you, you, or football may not be your sports, let's say basketball is your sports, and you're a fan of Cleveland or, or Golden State, that's what devotion looks like. Wouldn't you, say, wouldn't you agree? That's what you call a super fan. And we're going to break that down. We're going to see everything about, uh, we're going to use Mr. and Mrs. Seahawk to show you what a devotion is all about. And we're going to borrow a little bit from the Bible. Would that be okay? We'll turn it around this time. So uh, go ahead and put up Psalms. So this is the life of the super fan. Psalms, uh, then this, is, will be, this will be our text for today. Psalms chapter 1, 1 to 3. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor stands in the fat of sinners, nor sits in the seat of, of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that, Lord, it would uh, penetrate our heart. It will allow us to hear what you're saying today, and, it would, and you would allow us to apply it in our daily lives for 2018. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you queued in to Mr. and Mrs. Seahawk, you would have noticed, uh, uh, did you guys hear it clearly? I don't think we heard it clearly. You did? Okay. But if you queued in on, the, on what they were saying, that really is what it means to be devoted. So borrowing from Psalms 1 to 3, we're going to break down Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Seahawk. All right? So what does it look like to be devoted? See, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Seahawks are devoted Seahawks fan. For those of you who are devoted Cavaliers fan, it's the same thing. <laughs> okay, or if you're one who's a fan of Stephen Curry, it's good. That's all good. Or anything, if you're into running and all of that. Whatever it is that you're, you're devoted to, I believe there's three things that I can show you that's, uh, that you can find in all of them. Okay, the first one is this. Go ahead. Directed by the word. And for this, we, we got to have a little bit of church, okay? So as I wanted to really say directed by the Seahawks, but uh, I might get kicked out from, uh, from the pulpit. So directed by the word. So to be devoted to the word, just as, uh, so just as Mr. and Mrs. Seahawks said, you got to be directed by the word. If you heard them say some, if you heard them say this, they said, everything about our lives revolves around the Seahawks. Did you hear them say that? Everything about their lives revolves around the Seahawk. That is devotion. They do the, the entire dress up. That lady takes about four hours to get geared up. She takes four hours to get geared up. Think about it. Four hours. And you think your wife takes that long. <laughs> okay? But imagine. How many, uh, for those of you who are a football fan, how many games in a season? 17? How many home games? Half, half, probably? Any Seahawks fan? Okay, no devoted Seahawks fan. That's good. Any devoted in the Word? Yeah, okay, come on. I got someone who's devoted to the Word. So Seahawks fan. But imagine, uh, one of the, uh, which we'll also talk about, they said they never miss a home game. How much is a home game? I don't know. I've never been to a football game. Usually the, the championship, if, you, if you're talking about basketball, the front seats are $10,000 for a front seat. That's resources. That's time. That's devotion. I can't think of a song. There's a song that just popped in and I forgot. But anyway, directed by the word. Go ahead and put up Psalms 1-1. This is what it says in Psalms 1-1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. What does that three-highlighted word uh, talks about? It talks about lifestyle. It talks about how you live life. The Jewish Bible does a better thing, or it does a better justice to it. It says this, Happy is the man who has not followed. The word walk is the word who has not followed. The counsel of the wicked. It said, or taken the path. That's, that means to stand. Taken the path of the sinners. Or join the company of the insolent. 
just like Mr. and Mrs. Seahawk, they allowed the entire the organization of Seahawk and it revol- and their life revolves around Seahawk. Church, if we're going to be devoted to the word of God, it is no different from Mr. and Mrs. Seahawk. Our life has to be directed by the word. That's just how it is. We cannot, uh, uh, based on the ones that I've just read, we cannot follow the word or what's that? Don't walk in the word. Okay? We cannot be taking the path of the word. We cannot be joining company. It doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from the world and put up our own village just like that movie, The Village. That's not what, that's not what uh, God said. We are living in this world, but Jesus said we are not of this world. We have to be directed by the word. I mean, uh, Paul said it very, uh, what do you call this? When he was talking about eating and drinking, it says, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's being directed by the word. Everything that you do. I mean, why would he use eating and drinking? Eating and drinking is the most trivial thing to do, except for those of us that stay back. We cannot decide where to eat. But once you have decided what to eat, eating and drinking is as simple as what? Lifting up your spoons and spork. In fact, we do that too much, right? But yeah, that's what Paul said. Whether you eat or you drink, do so for the glory of God. And that's being directed by the word of God. That's what it means to be devoted to the word. It means that you, 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 you don't walk, you don't stand, you don't sit. Your lifestyle should be uh, consecrated. Your lifestyle should be distinguishable from the lifestyle of the world. The way you live in, the decisions you make, okay, the company that you keep. The Bible talks about how bad company corrupts good character. It's not the other way around, okay? But it is. It's bad company corrupts your good character. So that, that's what uh, devotion to the word, that's the first thing that, you have, you, that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Seahawk has. They have a devotion to the Seahawk. But for us who have a devotion to the word, we have to make the word take direction for our lives. That's just how it is. Amen? I'll come back to this later on. Second thing that you, have noted, or that you might have noticed from Mr. and... Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Seahawks is, they were delighted to be part of the Seahawks. I think, I hope that after this message that you guys are not a Seahawks fan, okay? But to be delighted to know the word. Verse 2, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Can you just see how happy those two are? I don't want to play the video again, but did you notice how happy they are? They were not bored. They were not, uh, what do you say this? In fact, the guy said there were years that when, they, when the, the Seahawks were losing and they were not even making it to the, any, any of the playoffs, it was a hard time for them. But yet they stick it through. Did they not? They stayed the course. They, they were a Seahawks fan. Uh, whether it was good, whether it's bad. They delighted on that Seahawk. And church is the same thing with the word. Now, like what I said earlier, sometimes it requires much more than... You, in reality, you cannot just open the Bible and really uh, find delight in it. Uh, I'll come back to this later and I'll show you how, uh, how uh, in a practical sense, you might be able to find delight in reading the word. But there is, but, but there is a delight on reading the word. Okay? 
So that's, that's the second thing. In the Hebrew Bible, this is what it says. Rather, the teaching of the Lord is his delight. Now, just to make a, a clarification, why is it that it says in the law of the Lord? Why did it say that, but his delight is in the law of the Lord? Of course, it's because when, the, the, when Psalms was written, it was only the book of Moses that was available. Okay? And the book of Moses is called the law. So, but now, in our time and day, when we say the book, we're really referring to this. So we really are in a better position than even when Psalms 1-1 was written. We have the entirety of the written form of the Word of God. Psalms 1-1 only had the first five books. We are in a better position. And I hope that encourages you. Amen? So to be devoted to the Word is to find delight. It's like that... Um, uh, say, for example, you're in a relationship... If you're in a relationship and you have to tell the person that you're in a relationship with, you got to give them schedule. Okay, every Friday, you must have a date. Okay? Every once a month, you must give me flowers. Every six months, we must uh, uh, do this uh, outside activity so we can develop this relationship. If you have to do that, I don't know, you might want to question your, your relationship. Okay? Usually people who are in relationship, they find delight in being together. Correct? <laughs> Those of you who are going to that princess ball. <laughs> Those of you who are in relationship, do you not find delight when you're together? Amen. If, husband, if Pastor Mark and Pastor Terry have to schedule their dates, we might, we, I mean, there's something wrong with that. Wouldn't you agree? But yet, they, they, uh, look, look at Pastor Mark. He's got his hand on mystery right now. That's what it is. It's to find delight in your relationship, okay? You find delight. You, you, you find joy in doing it, all right? Just like Mr. and Mrs. Seahawk, they found joy in being part of the game. They find joy in just dressing up for four hours and driving every, sea, every, uh, uh, every game. Can you imagine that? Then, then, then the other thing, the next thing... That you will find, I'll go ahead, is there's a dedication. There's a dedication to meditate on the Word. Okay? So far, we've, uh, the devotion to the Word is being directed by the Word. Your life is being directed by the Word. You have a delight in opening the Bible and reading the Bible. And then you're also dedicated to meditate on the Word. Um, now, what does meditate mean? Meditate is really to, to utter or to, to speak in a low voice. This uh, uh, meditation has helped me a lot, especially when it comes to teaching, especially when it comes to uh, uh, coming up on stage. I, I do a lot of meditation, and I'm not talking about Eastern meditation where I cross my legs and I hum. No, that's not that meditation. The Hebrew word for meditation is really the word to study. It's the word ruminate. Yes, even I have to check, I have to look that up. What in the world is ruminate? The word ruminate is to chew on a, on a cud. It's like the cows. Uh, I don't know how, how, if, you have got, if you guys have seen cows. Cows would do is they would chew on the cud. They would chew on their food. They would chew it on the right. They would chew it on the left. Cheap chewing, chewing, chewing. They chew. We used to have goats when I was growing up in the Philippines. And the goats, uh, they, they don't like rain. 
So right before uh, at night, we bring them back to, li- to their little goat house. But when the rain is coming, they'll rush back. But they'll try to eat as much as they can on their way back to, uh, to their goat house. And then at night, I look at them and I would see them chewing. It's like, didn't you eat? But yet they're still chewing. That's what they're doing. They're ruminating. They're trying to extract every nutrient that they can out of that grass. It's the same thing with the cow. You try to extract every nutrient from the cud. And it's the same thing with meditate. When we meditate, we take a word and we chew on it. Chew on it. Chew on it. We, we, we take it and in, with a low voice we say, we, we just keep uttering it, repeating it. Okay? Let me give you an example. The, this, was, uh, this happened uh, right before the holiday season. As I was just uh, reading the word, the word Egypt came to mind. The word gave me the word Egypt. So what did I do? I started meditating on it. So I, everything that I know of Egypt, I started to bring back to, uh, to, to my mind. Joseph and Mary and Jesus, when he was born, went to Egypt. Okay? Abraham got some of his riches from Egypt. But one of the most, uh, let's say, popular or well-known thing about Egypt is Egypt has always been synonymous to slavery and bondage. Do you agree? We used it in our, in our study. We used the crossing of the Red Sea, and we say that that is the symbolism of water baptism, so that Egypt would no longer be a part of you, slavery and bondage. Uh, it's a typology of Egypt is your past life. The water baptism is the crossing of the Red Sea. Canaan is your new life. That's, that's how we use it in typologies. Egypt. So I, I kept on, the, I kept on uh, chewing on it. What's Egypt, Egypt, Egypt? And then the revelations begin to come. God, God began to uh, show me that Egypt was not always slavery and bondage. It was not always slavery and bondage. Egypt was a place where Joseph was sold to, or Joseph was sent to Egypt, but he, well, not really sent, but when his own brother sold him, he ended up in Egypt. And through the course of his life, what happened? He became the second highest ranking man in Egypt, right before the, the, the seven years of famine and right before the seven years of, uh, of plenty. So Egypt was not always slavery and bondage, but yet that is the most popular typologies that we use about Egypt. So meditating, also as I meditate more, I came across four verses that says, when the, famine was at, when the famine was at its worst, Jacob went to Egypt. Jacob went to Egypt. And of course, the whole revelation of Joseph was, uh, came out. And, and four times it was mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, that that Jacob, though the promised land to, or, or let me just put it this way. It was mentioned four times that Jacob was given the best of the land. Or Israel, as to say, his family, his family was given the best of the land. In Egypt, four times you would find it that first it was Pharaoh, they gave him the best of the land in Egypt. Then Joseph also declared it, you will have the best of the land in Egypt. So, of course, so I'm still chewing, I'm still meditating, but how does this all come together? Well, it comes together because if, when you know the covenant, the covenant from Abraham goes all the way to Israel, and the promised land was not Egypt, we know that. It was always been Canaan. 
But Egypt became a temporary place for them so that they can be saved from the famine. And this is, the, this, and this is what uh, blows me away. And when God began to speak through, my, through, the, through that is that even in your temporary places, I would always give you the best of the land. Because that's what he did. Egypt was not their promised land, but because there was a famine in the land, God brought them to Egypt. So Egypt was not always slavery and bondage to Israel, but it was a temporary place for them at that time. And they got the best of the land. Now, I began by saying that when you read the Bible, you're really getting to know who Christ is, who God is. So how does that apply? What does that do? How does that increase your faith? Well, it increases your faith by this way. That if God has called you, like, uh, like uh, what uh, Pastor Terry said, all of us has been given a race. But in that race, sometimes we take temporary places. So what purpose do I, how can I make that into uh, something to increase my faith? See, that was the word that God gave me. That even in temporary places, if it's ordained by God, I would always have the best. That's what God was telling me. And I believe, uh, I'm not sure if this is the word for the church too, but I'm just speaking it out. Okay? Even in the temporary places, if it's ordained by God, you would always have the best place. And God showed it to the scripture as I meditated on that word, as, as I chewed on that word, because God is a good God. You know, uh, let me use some uh, Joel Austin for a while. You know, Joel Austin would always say, God would always bring you to your destiny. God always has the best for you. But sometimes it is not God's inability that we don't reach our best places. It's really our inability to believe that God is so good that he's giving you the best. That's what's keeping us from reaching the best. It's not God's inability to give us the best. God can always give us the best. But it's in our inability to believe that God can give us the best. That's, what, that's what's will holding us from reaching the best. The best for us, the best things that God has for us, it's not really God's inability. It's our inability to believe. And, uh, and OP was quoting John earlier. It says, when you abide in me, when you, hear my, when you hear my words, and you keep my words, then you can pray anything, and you will have it. I received the word from God that's saying, you would always have the best in the land. I take that word, and now it gives me a confidence to pray that, Lord, regardless where I am, I can always ask for your best. Amen. Thank goodness that God is not cheap. He is not cheap. You can have the best in the land. In fact, this was really a prayer of mine like three years ago. I was really trying to uh, think about it. When did I start seeing this? I saw this in the book of Leviticus. We've always claimed the Levitical order as the priestly order that we are the Levitical order. This is not part of my message. Let me say it anyway. The Levitical order was not given a promise uh, or uh, given an allotment in the promised land. Okay, the tribe of Levites was given the task to be the high, the priest and to uh, take care of the temple or the, uh, the tabernacle. But yet God said, I will be your portion. I will be your inheritance. That's what God was telling, to, uh, that was, uh, that's what God was telling them. But you know what? All the 11 tribes have to tithe to the Levites. And the tithe is always the best of the land. The tithe is without blemish. So really, the Levitical order was really just to sit and wait for their brothers to give them the best of the land. 
That's what the, the biblical order was. And, and when I saw this up years ago, then I started praying, then Lord, then I can claim the best of the land. I can claim the best job for me. I can claim the best husband, the best wife. For those of you who are single, the best car, the best building, yeah. right? The best place in Guam. That's what it is. That was the biblical order. And then God shows me this about Egypt as I meditated. I was faithfully meditating on it. He shows it over uh, after a few years that I can always give you the best of the land, even if it's a temporary place for you. It's not their promised land. Egypt was not their promised land. Canaan was their promised land. But yet in the place of, their, of that place, God gave them the best of the land. Goshen. And I think it was mentioned five times. Probably one is in Numbers. Whew. I'm out of time. One was in numbers because the the followers were also saying, did we not have the best of Egypt, but yet here we are in the desert with nothing? So Lord, uh, amen? I'm lost. (laughs) I got lost there. Amen? Lost my train of thought. Amen. Now I just lost my train of thought. So just uh, let's put that all together. So how do you find delight if you don't have any delight in reading the word? Well, just like what I showed you, you've got to be faithful enough to discipline yourself to read. Okay? You cannot be reminded through the Holy Spirit, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God promised it to us that the the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the teacher, the parakletos, they call it in... uh, in Greek, he's the one that will be on your side to remind you of all things. But if you have nothing to be reminded of, you cannot be reminded of anything. That's why in, in reading the Bible, yes, there is that striving to just keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. And there will come a time when the Holy Spirit begins to remind you of all these things. I would not have known what Egypt is all about if I did not faithfully read. Faithfully read things that I don't even uh, But yet when it was reminded back to me, it allowed my faith to have a confidence to pray that, God, you can give me the best of the land. You can give me the best life that I've ever, uh, that I, that I have. That really sounds like Joel Austin. (laughs) And I'm sorry for that. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, amen. So that's when you find delight. When you, when things begin to come out and, and it begins to have a revelation of how good God is. And that was, that was really something new for me to see that God is really that good. God is really that good, church. Amen? So just a recap. One more time. There you go. Devotion to the Word. Uh, just like Mr. and Mrs. Seahawks. These two are super fans. We can be a super fan of the Word. Amen? We can have our lives directed by the word. We can find delight in, in knowing the word. And we can dedicate a time to meditate on the word. Amen. And in closing, it also says in the Bible that no discipline at the moment is pleasant. No discipline at the moment is pleasant. That's coming from the Bible. That's not coming from your help it guru. Where they push you to, come on, three more pumps, come on. Or three more of this. That's coming from the Bible. No discipline at the moment is pleasant. But, the, but the, the thing is, it has a reward. Discipline has its reward. And just like Psalms 1, uh, go ahead and put up uh, verse 3. This is the reward when we allow ourselves to be, uh, to be devoted to the word. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose sleep also shall not wither, and whatever he does 
shall prosper. Whatever he does. It speaks of a, of a tree that's planted by the river. It speaks of having fruits in season. It speaks of having leaves that do not wither, even in dry seasons. That's what it means to be, uh, and, and that's the benefit of being devoted to the word. In fact, uh, 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 can you bring back 1-1? One, one? Chapter 1, verse 1. That begins with blessed. Blessed is the man. It says, blessed is the man. If you allow your life to be directed by the word, there is already a, a spoken blessing over it. In Hebrew, it says, happy is the man. Blessed is the man if you allow your life to be directed by the word. Amen? There is a reward, church, in being devoted to the word. We're not just saying nonsense stuff sometimes, okay? There is a reward. I, my, my own personal life is really a testimony after testimony of just being in the word. Amen? So let's go ahead and close. Amen? Hallelujah. As I started earlier, if you have uh, committed yourself in, in reading more, and if you have not, now would be the perfect time. Speak to God. Talk to God. Church, God is so good. Like what I said, the only thing that's keeping us from our destiny is really our inability to believe that He is that good. And I'm here to say He is that good. He is a good God. Amen. So if you have, uh, if you've uh, made a commitment this year just to read more of your Bible and to know God more, that's a good thing, church. That is a good thing. And I just want to, uh, I just want to second that. I just want to pray over us. If that's you, just raise up your hand. In fact, if that's not even you and you want to do it now, just commit yourself to know God more. Just raise up your hand. And uh, I want to just close that. Let's seal that. Father, thank you that you do not disappoint. Thank you, O Lord, that you have given us the written form so that we can know you more. We can understand you more. That, Lord, in my own words, I know that it is really your heart. This is really your, your acts and this is your hand so that we can understand you more. So, Lord, I just pray, Father, for life in the sun and for those of us that had committed to devote ourselves to the word this year. I just pray your grace to be upon us. And Father, I thank you that, you would, that we would see the rewards and we will see the benefit of this activity in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.